Today, as we continue our Cultural Distinctives series, I was thinking about how every family has stories that it passes down through the generations and stories that really impact us. Well, for me, it's a story of my mom at the lake. It both served as a warning, but also a, a testimony of, of grace. The story goes that my grandmother had taken my young mother, she was around 10 years old at the time, and her older brother and her brother's friend to go swimming. They were out on a floating dock in a very deep lake, and this floating dock had a ladder that was wired to it. And so the children were climbing up this ladder and diving off. Well, what they didn't realize is the more they climbed up, the looser the wire on the ladder got, until finally my mother was at the top of it, and she fell off, the ladder fell on top of her, and to her horror, the wire wrapped around her leg and was pulling her straight down. Now she was underwater so long that my uncle, her brother, would continue to climb up on the dock and he and his friend would dive off desperately looking for her. My grandmother was screaming in horror. My mother was under so long and going so deep that things were getting dark and she actually started inhaling water and she knew that she was going to die when suddenly she had this thought. I can be free. All I have to do is reach down and remove this wire from my ankle. And when she did, she touched the wire and immediately it fell off. She had a life jacket on and so she shot to the top and everyone celebrated in relief that she had survived. You know, it's amazing how I've thought many times that that one act of freedom not only changed my mother's life, but is the reason I'm here. I wouldn't be here. My children wouldn't be here. In fact, this church wouldn't be here if my mom wouldn't have gotten free that day. You know, freedom is something that Jesus loved to talk about. And in fact, when he defined his ministry, this verse we've been reading every week from Luke 4:18 and 19, he says this, he sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free. This was central to the work of Jesus. But what I find is many Christians don't understand that one of the things that Jesus did for us on the cross was didn't just purchase our salvation, but he also purchased our freedom. And like my mother, he's actually given us power through his Holy Spirit living within us to get free from the things that entangle us. Now this has been a core foundation something so near and dear to our hearts as at all peoples. And it's been one of our lightning bolts and our lightning bolt vision that we derive from Luke 418. So today we want to talk about freedom and that's synonymous with healing, freedom and healing from pain, both physical pain, Jesus went around healing the sick, emotional pain, Jesus was restoring people with tremendous pain and oppression in their hearts as well as racial pain, something we see that's been so prevalent in this year and something that we see that Jesus was bringing healing and restoration in. And so today I'm going to invite some friends to join me in this room as they share some powerful stories of what Jesus has done in their lives through this church. So let's begin with how Jesus heals us physically. Although I grew up in a church and many of you have as well, this wasn't something that was common. We read in the Gospels that Jesus was constantly laying hands on the sick and the hurting and healing them, but it wasn't something we practice in church. But many of you have heard my story so many times, it's our desperation that leads to inspiration. And it was my heart problem that 
I had in junior high where I almost died spending two years in and out of the hospital, numerous medications that didn't help, even procedures that were ineffective. That my family, that's where my, my parents would say we changed from just being a church-going family to a praying family, where they started laying hands on me and asking for people to pray, where I was miraculously healed of my ventricular tachycardia and arrhythmia. And it opened my eyes, but it was still, it was a trip in, in my college years where I actually laid my hands on my first person that was, was sick and saw the power of God come in an amazing way. Well, this is something we've been practicing in this church and, and taking that command where Jesus told his disciples to go and heal the sick. And, and today I've invited a, a friend to share his story about how he received healing. I, I pray that it encourages you and inspires you for what God wants to do, not only in your life, but through your life. So um, back in 2010, uh, I started to feel quite a bit of pain uh, in my hips, even from a small run. And then progressively over the next two years, uh, I got to a point where it was impacting my sleep, impacting my day-to-day -day life. And, and so finally I decided I'm gonna go see a doctor. I stopped being stubborn and I went and saw them and they sent me to x-rays. And the very next day they called me and they said, hey, you have worn out your hips and done some significant damage to both your left and your right hip and we need to get you scheduled for surgery. And it was gonna be three separate surgeries. gonna do left hip, right hip, and then uh, some hardware removal. So went forward with the first surgery. It was incredibly painful. I spent uh, time in a wheelchair, uh, into crutches, and then on a cane. Um, was at physical therapy every single day. It came to a point where I couldn't even, I actually have a video on my phone where I couldn't even lift my leg like one inch. Six months passes by, I go through that full recovery cycle and they say, all right, now it's time to go do the right hip. And so I was just like dreading this six month long healing process again. So it was about two and a half months after the uh, surgery and I was on crutches and um, I ended up coming out to all people's worship night and uh, someone came up on stage and said, hey, I, I, I feel like I'm led to pray for healing. And I said, well, I need healing. You know, I'm, I'm in this pain and anything to expedite this would be great. So I go up front and I just feel this heaviness and I fall to the ground and um, people are still praying for me and I just hear this quiet stillness and um, I'm pretty confident I heard the voice of the Lord and he said, get up and walk. And I just stood up and I was pretty doubtful at the time and I took some steps forward and the pain was gone. I, the actual healing of the bo bones and joints was actually there. Uh, if we remember at Crawford, there was that hill almost like, or that incline to walk yeah. out of the church. I ended up walking up that incline wow. that night with the crutches above my head. Unbelievable. Um, and going home that night completely healed, which was incredible. The week after that, I ended up just for further verification and validation of what happened, I had my follow-up with my surgeon and He's moving my hip around, he's looking at the x-rays, and he looks at me and he said, this is the fastest cover recovery I have ever seen. You know, if I could document this and publish this, I would absolutely do this as evidence of, of, of what just happened. He's like, well, what did you do? I said, I just went to church and people prayed for me. He's like, well, whatever, whatever they're doing at your church, he's like, keep them going. So, Amen. We've got a, 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 a doctor's a doctor's recommendation. Keep going. Yeah, Keep so it was healing. amazing. It was incredible healing. Yeah, incredible. And it just grew my faith to just tremendous, tremendous levels. And even when I didn't have the faith and I had doubt that God wanted to pursue me that way and bless me um, with such an incredible gift of, of healing. So. so I think you're saying even your, your faith wasn't 
up here no way. in the midst of it, right. God still did something beautiful. Absolutely. And I had never even seen physical healing ever before. Um, I mean, for a, a good portion of my life, I've been involved in football, whether it's playing high school, college, just a small stint in the pros. And, you know, since that time, I've been a coach and now head coach at a school out in El Cajon. And, um, my personal experience, you know, for myself and the teammates that I was with is when you're on the field, it's just you and other kids and there's really no other adult supervision around you except for, you know, referees in the field. And what people don't see and what they don't know is like, this is a, it's a prime opportunity for someone that wants to say anything they want to say. And I've been called racial slurs like the N word and um, been referenced from the color of my skin. It's happened to my teammates countless times. Um, I'm even just thinking back in high school, I had moments like that. I remember having to hold teammates back because they're just like, they're flipping out because this guy, like, you know, somebody said something to them. It happened to me directly in college. I remember the Pacific game, it happened to me. It's, it still like has dawned on me how, how painful that was um, just because how, how unjustified it was. And even now, you know, and I'm talking about this is in high school in 2003, 2002. And now I'm, dealing with the same thing with my own players. And this, that's 17 years later. So it's not like, oh, well, that was just a long time ago. It's like, this is a prevalent thing that's been going on for years. And I know even my brother dealt with it when he was playing in the 90s. And so, you know, as a coach, it, it hurts because like you become a father figure and it's like your own kids being, you know, called these things. And it's like, how do you handle that situation? You're trying to play and just play a game and like everyone else has the opportunity to and to be honest as a coach and you could go to other schools especially honestly predominantly black schools and they prepare their kids for games for those moments mm -hmm. they tell them like hey you need to pre be prepared that if you are called that how to handle that situation mm -hmm. oh, i'm so sorry and uh it really you know it really opened my eyes and helped me to hear that, to go, wow, this is still happening, even with the young generation in 2020. And um, man, it is, it is um, right for us to jump in to this and go, okay, how can we work as a church and as a spiritual family to heal this pain? I'm so thankful uh, that you guys have been willing to be vulnerable. It's really been enlightening and uh, touching and let let my heart grieve with you and um, I'm so grateful for you guys being willing to jump in and I know that that's not even easy you've had to incur spiritual warfare you've had to incur um, even critiques uh, from other people so I'm very grateful Paul what was touching to me is when I reached out to you and said hey um, you know would you come and help us you shared what you experienced had experienced in the past in our church, although our church is clearly not perfect and has a lot of ways to, to grow. Um, but it was deeply touching, and I think it will really minister to a lot of hearts if they hear, because um, I think people need to hear that the church of Jesus is a place that does and is bringing hope and, and wants to bring healing. So would you just take us into a little of your journey of what you told us and why you were willing to jump in and help and take that risk. 
So after you and I had that um, coffee at the living room, you invited me to be a part of that men's group. Uh, I think it was about six of us, and uh, all men I'd never met before. But um, we met once a week, we shared our lifelines, um, we shared really intimate stories about ourselves, and a lot of times confessional stories. And I had never been a part of a, a group like that before. Um, usually I'm the professor and I do this with students, I'm a facilitator, but among peers, uh, and again, non-black members, <laughs> that was completely different for me, but um, we really broke down. We became courageously vulnerable and authentic. Um, we were real with each other. And I've been in context before where there's a group of men who wear the facade, who have the performative masks on, um, and are not entirely authentic. And therefore, I wasn't as affected, I wasn't as bonded and I certainly wasn't as transformed. But that group, again, sealed the deal for me that there's a reason, there's a purpose for God placing me here, and that's why I chose to stay. We're so, so thankful, man. So thankful, love you so much. Uh, Lisa, you've been a wonderful mama to so many here, and uh, so many people know you as a leader in leading us into to worship, but, um, I've been very thankful in so much of the leadership you've given in 2020 in uh, really walking people through pain and talking to people about how do we respond as Jesus would respond in such a tumultuous time. The, we came and felt led to have a black community dinner night, a night where our leadership team, our pastoral team, which you're on, uh, got together with the black community and really you guys, this team led it. You did a marvelous job, but I thought everyone doesn't know about that night. Everyone doesn't know that we had that <clears throat> and uh, certainly doesn't know what happened there. So why don't you take us into to that night? I think what, um, what really transpired was that it was an opportunity for organic an authentic conversation to take place within our black community um, about experiences that they have had here um, at All Peoples um, and, and also um, why they stay. Why are they still here? Um, some have left, but this was open to um, many of our uh, black community members. And so we had a wonderful time uh, in uh, having table conversation about what are some of the experiences that you have had regarding um, racism or discrimination um, here at All Peoples. We really wanted to drill down to that. And it was an opportunity for um, you and Kendall and other pastoral um, leaders to actually sit and listen. Um, and. To have that opportunity, people really, really appreciate it. I think they were not expecting that. And um, the conversations were very transparent. Um, I think that there, we, we found out that there were some things that did take place here, whether it was in a life group or just how things, how people were received or what their perception was. Um, and that was very eye-opening. Um, not just for leadership, but also for everyone at the table. Um, and 
But I think probably the biggest takeaway is why people remain. And people are here because God is here. And in that God's heart as a father, that he wants, a loving father wants no kid to feel invisible, but every kid to feel cherished, valued, and celebrated. Um, and so Nick and Ashley, let's move to you. You guys, you guys are parents, you have children. Uh, you guys spend so much of your time with children, Nick. Uh, you're talking about as a football coach, Ashley as a track coach, um, you guys invest in the young, you guys have invested in so many people in this church and uh, this isn't your first time even on this camera. You guys came and vulnerably shared uh, your hearts in the midst of the, the kind of the apex of, of pain back in uh, when, we, we, when we did that sermon together. Um, Take us, take us into now, several months later, what are you dreaming about? What's on your hearts? What are you hopeful for um, as you're on this inclusion team and as you're a part of helping move our church forward? Um, God, just like, to be honest, on the way to just even having this time here, like God, like just rocked me. And mm -hmm. um, I was listening to this song by Casting Crowns. Um, they've heard it's called starts right here and in the song it's it's about when change needs to come it starts with the church mm. it starts with us right here uh, with uh, the people in within within this body and i just think about like when everything happened in may and june and the the, the unrest and um just all the pain that everybody's going through like we're all looking for answers. I mean, even now people are still looking for like, Absolutely. what do we do next? Um, and there were a lot of knee jerk reactions, political, you know, legal statutes or, you know, different things like we need to do, uh, uh, um, defund the police or just, you know, there's all this, like, um, these things that people were like, let's just do this or let's just do this. Um, but one thing that was really common that I, I heard, it was kind of, you know, something that you could hear in the background, especially if, you know, as a believer, it was like, we all knew it's like, this has to start with us. This has to start with the church. Like if any like real long lasting, not just temporary change is going to happen, it starts right here. And so that's why I was just, I was so encouraged coming here because I was thinking about, we have to lead out in this and, you know, we may not get it right. We're going to mess up. We're going to fail. But like, we have to lead out in this. We have to be, we have to take a step of faith. And I just see like the impact when our church really has like um just a cultural diversity like or inclusion really interwoven into the fabric of our church our church is going to be like making a huge impact and that's going to affect others and i i agree i was we were we've been talking about just yeah how it has to start here at the church and um just um, just being a part of this team and um, I guess my hopes and just visions is that we would continue to have conversations and those conversations would lead to actions and just what we're sowing into right now um, would affect our kids like I mean just as a mom I have two boys two black boys you know so I'm always like God like I, I pray that the work that we're doing as a church that that would affect them so that they 
aren't growing up and having the same experiences as like Paul and mm -hmm. Nick are talking about. But as a church, we're we're building those relationships. We're we're not afraid to have those conversations. We're not afraid to to take action steps. You know, to um, to really bring change so that our kids and the generations after them um, could be in a different place. You know, of just feeling hopeful. Where you know. Um, yeah, like Lisa was saying, like that night, people left hopeful. And I'm just, my prayer is that, you know, our kids would grow up and their, um, their conversation would look different. It would be like, wow, look what God has done. Look what God has done in our nation. Look what God has done. And it started in the church. I mean, like on that note with like kids, like we were just talking about like, you know, Dr. King, when he had to have a dream speech and, you know, how he like, you know, he didn't want to have his kids be judged by the color of their skin. And like, I, I am like envisioning my kids not having to have the conversation with their kids about like how they're going to have to act around people or certain people in, or certain places in society or within, you know, the places they live and that um, they're going to be free to just be who they are. And they're not going to have to have these things subconsciously in their mind. And, you know, I know that's going to come with like their identity, um, how people see their identity. Um, and again, I, it, it starts here. It starts here with the, with the relationships and that the impact we're going to make through the church. Each of you have spent hours, whether it's been in, in training, whether it's been in meetings, whether it's been in conversations and phone conversations or in coffee appointments, shepherding God's people, listening, um, brainstorming, and we're all so much better because of the way that you've been willing to to carry other people and to carry this church and what seems impossible with man as we look at so many challenges we know is possible with god and jesus said i will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it and it's when um, you know your brothers and sisters like you put your shoulder into it uh, you guys have done that and so many lives have been impacted and uh, this isn't a 2020 initiative. This is a lot, I mean, that's what we've been talking about. This, this um, is a, a lifelong, as long as this church is going, as long as all people's churches are being planted, this is a core commitment for us. This is in the heart of God. And so thank you and just wanna encourage uh, you today that are seeing this and, and listening to this, this is, this is something dear to the heart of God that we're going to continue to pray about. That this is something that we can and want to talk about and something that, that we are going to have practical initiatives to continue to move forward. And we have a lot of hope because God is in this and this is the heart of Jesus and believing for more and more people to be touched and healed in this, these places of pain. Just over a year ago today, um, our marriage and our life got rocked, and rocked in a good way. It was probably the, the most hardest, painful, difficult um, event and season of our lives, but also the most fruitful and the best. A, a good chunk of my walk with God and our marriage, I had um, just as an off and on you know, struggle with lust and pornography. And, you know, just the cycle of sin kept coming and coming. 
and you know just kind of just you know trapped and waiting for deliverance but you know waiting I don't know how God was going to give me the victory or the freedom on it you know but I was always hoping mm. and it came through a dream that he gave my wife I had a really brief dream um, that Pablo and I were in an empty room and I had asked Pablo hey do you have an issue with pornography and with head bowed and tears rolling down his face he said yes and that was the end of the dream and so it was so vivid and so clear that I couldn't just brush it off obviously and I didn't really need to search out any symbolic meaning it seemed so evident what was coming to me but it also was like is this for real and I knew I needed to approach him about it and the next day when he came home from work it was late at night um, I told him about the dream and I asked him and he said actually yes I do hmm. and by the grace of the Holy Spirit my response was okay then we need to talk we need to sit and we need to talk about this it was actually really surprising very surprising and we didn't get to spend too much time talking that first night but that began a week-long late-night conversations um, opening up and him sharing with me his struggle and um, just letting light come in and being vulnerable we shared with each other things that I've never told a soul about my past before the Lord he's never told a soul and just were able to connect on a whole new level mm. and praying with each other um, worshiping just being on our knees and crying and holding each other and it wasn't easy but it was led by God and because of the hope that we believe in him we were able to take more ground every single day the, the spirit of repentance came you know the spirit of just repentance just really just overwhelming like this is it and I could I just got lower than I've ever been, you know, and um, and I just felt this huge weight just lifted up that night. I was like, I knew it was free. I knew I was done that night. The Lord gave us a path like we were, you know, we confessed with each other and the Lord just said, OK, you know, you got to share this with my my parents. And then the Lord showed, told me I needed to share it with my family and my siblings all of them out and you know we did that everything was tough and then i had to share with my life group and that was extremely hard but um and every time he, he told us to do something we're like oh no not 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 this one but every time we've done it it's been just victory more ground was taken you know more light was shown and, and not further just victory in your life right that was through us but not just victory in your life oh, you, yeah. you told me it started setting other people free yeah. uh, yes yes the people came up to me and um just tell me that yeah they've had the struggle too and the it, it, it allowed light to come into it you know it was just the darkness that they were trapped in and they could not get out of that darkness one year after this experience how is your life different our walk, my walk with God, my relationship with my wife, and it's been sweet, the sweetest as it's ever been, deepest as it's ever been, but there's been struggles, there's been challenges, like there's like growing pains. Yeah, I 
I would have defined our marriage as solid prior to all of this. And so then when it comes crashing down and it doesn't seem so solid after all, it's pretty shocking. But when you yield yourself to not respond in the flesh, because there was definitely anger and pain and hurt, and I don't want to do this type of a feeling. And But the Lord, you know, if, if you yield yourself to Him, then He will bring beauty from ashes. And one of the beautiful things out of many beautiful things was just an intimacy emotionally, physically, spiritually, that I truly did not know was possible. And it's a beautiful thing. And um, we even have a fourth child that was conceived in the reconciliation of all of this. And we named him Josiah, which means Yahweh heals. And we know that we're continuing in this journey of healing and we haven't arrived. There's still moments of pain and we talk about it and we go to the feet of Jesus and we grab onto the hem of his robe and we say, we need you and we want you to be part of this and we want to be with you. And he shows up. He shows up when he says to test him. He's he's going to come through. I feel like I've gotten a lot of healing through all peoples at World Mandate. I can think of in life group and in worship or three, and Freedom Day as well. Um, I believe there was one world mandate when um, there was a, a, a response after Jimmy Seibert spoke and I believe he spoke on the father heart. Mm -hmm. And I remember I went up to the front and I was on my knees and I was just trying to respond and nothing was happening. Um, someone put their hand on my back and they were just praying quietly and it was I fell over <laughs> immediately and I remember I started screaming father 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 three times and this series of memories started coming in my mind of all the times my dad wasn't there and immediately pictures of where the father my, my heavenly father was mm. but it happened so fast and I remember like like coming to and I was so embarrassed about what happened and I'm like what was that but um, what I believe what happened was that I kind of got a download and over the next 12 months the Lord started unpacking all of the places of pain that I had been holding from my parents divorce and how my relationship with my father got completely changed because of it mm. and where in the places where maybe I don't feel like I have my dad now, where my Heavenly Father is with me and where I needed to forgive and receive the love of the Father. Um, so that was a really impactful one and I'm so grateful for that. And um, I remember another time I had a dream on a Sunday morning, I woke up to a dream of where basically I visited my childhood bedroom but when I went into the room, it didn't look like it. It was actually all the walls were burned and there was flood damage. And I remember just weeping at seeing what had happened to my room. And it was a conditioned dream. Like it was showing me the condition of where areas of my heart were still stuck in the past. And so many people don't realize that the things that have happened to us before 10 or 11, they, they shape the rest of our life and how we respond and how we react and it really marks who we are and so some people yes. feel just con condemned that they could never have a 
whole or peaceful life, right? Yeah. So this is what I love what you're saying because Jesus is reaching into this. So I'm sorry, keep no, going, but yeah. I want to give that perspective. I feel like um, a lot of my healing has been through where God has revealed how much pain I actually have been carrying because mm. I think I never really had anyone recognize okay. my pain as pain, uh -huh. not even myself. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, with that dream, I was being like really uh, awakened to the condition of my heart of what had happened to me as a child and how bad it was still affecting me, even though maybe I pretended like it didn't affect me. Yes. <laughs> but he was revealing because he wanted to heal it. Amen. And it was the time for it. And I think it's beautiful. It happened on a Sunday morning. Mm. So I woke up actually crying and I didn't know what to do. So I was like going to church and in worship, I went to the, I was actually sitting in the front and I was trying to enter into worship, but I still felt so sad. And I remember just thinking, I need to just, if I keep, I'm still thinking about this image of this room, I'm going to enter into the room and I'm going to worship from that place mm -hmm. in my mind, if yeah. that makes sense. And, um, and just worship God from there because He's still worthy. And I did, and it was kind of like, uh, I felt like Jesus' presence come in as they were singing. <laughs> I wasn't singing anymore. I was taken, I was swept up. And He came into the room and I felt like I saw Him look at my room and look at the walls and it took him a while and I was just watching him. I was actually kind of scared what he was going to say about it because I was scared at what I saw. And I remember he said, wow, look at how beautiful this room is. And I lost it. And then I remembered because in scripture it says he gives beauty for ashes. Mm -hmm. And my room was basically a heap of ashes, but he was calling it beautiful because um, that was going to be part of my testimony moving forward, you know? And so I, I lost it and it was another inner healing moment in worship um, that God had orchestrated for me. <laughs> Amazing experience. Yeah. Has it affected you since then? Yes. I actually, I actually did. I, I felt a shift in how I viewed my wow. past. And I still had to walk it out. Of course. I still had to look like, where is this Where is this in the Bible? He called this yes. beautiful. And so that's where I found yeah. that beauty for ashes. We want to document and validate everything yes. through the Bible. Because I don't want to, it could have just been my imagination, yes. you know. But um, there was a shift in my mind. And then I was like, okay, I'm not going to put these skeletons in the closet anymore. Mm -hmm. He's calling it beautiful. He's seeing something that I'm not seeing. And so I just was started a process of journaling and going back and forth with him of like, what is going on? How did it get to this place? What exactly are you talking about? And just having him speak life and me speak truth over, hey, I might feel like I'm a heap of ashes, but I'm beautiful. <laughs> he, he speaks our language and dreams very much. It, it, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. Um, I had a dream where basically I was taken into this leader's home and long story short, in the dream, I was asked by the leader, Mildred, do you need deliverance? And I said, I don't know. But then I started weeping uncontrollably mm. in the dream. And then out of my mouth, I said, yes, of offense. And I woke up. Wow. And I remember waking up and actually feeling chains around my heart. It's, a, wow. it's hard to describe, but I felt this heaviness. I think a lot of people would yeah. admit that they've experienced something like <laughs> and that. And I, I was like, what was that? What came out of my mouth? You know, and he was really showing deep areas of bitterness and offense that I had towards people, towards him. And so I, um, I wrote down everyone's names, everything that I can think of. And then again, it was Sunday and um, I just didn't know what to do. So 
at the end when you when you say anyone needs prayer for healing, mm-hmm. I went up and I'm like, I need to confess this to someone because I still feel the heaviness in my heart. And I went up to someone and I and I said, I need to confess and repent of offense. And they said, Okay, take it away. I will I will agree with you. And I just started going down the list of people. But um, I remember there was this this place of I nothing emotionally was happening. I was just doing it out of obedience, if that makes any sense. But when I finally said, and I forgive the church, I said, I forgive your church. Mm. And this like, this like tears started coming out and I could feel like um, the heaviness start to lift a little bit. But I realized that I was harboring so much offense towards the church because I blamed the church for my parents' divorce. My my parents were in ministry Mm -hmm. and um, largely part of their divorce was because of issues with ministry and other things as well. But I realized um, that I was I was trying to be faithful and serving at church, was trying to be, um, you know, uh, helping people the best I could in church, but I was carrying so much offense at the same time and that there was a contradiction going on. And I remember that next Wednesday at Life Group, I told the whole life group that I forgave the church and everyone prayed for me. And um, I'm so thankful that God has our backs. And when we are ready to um, to move into healing, when the grace is there, He will reveal it in, in due time. He really well, does. And two things you said that are so important, I think, for us all to hear. You let go of offense with God. Yes. And there's no one the enemy wants us to be offended by more and hurt by more. Than yes. the Lord, because if He can estrange us from our Father, then He cuts us off from protection yes. and power in His presence. Yeah. And then forgiving the church, because the enemy works overtime trying to cut us off from our family. Yes. Because when we're in our family, we receive protection, we pr- receive yeah. life, we receive love, and He wants to isolate us. Yes. And I'm so thankful that God did those in your lives, because uh, in your life, because. He is now using you in such a wonderful way to walk so many people yeah. into freedom. And so thank you for, for being vulnerable. Thank you for sharing. Um, and thank you for all that you've been doing and leading out and, and serving this church. Wow, what a powerful day of hearing so many amazing testimonies of the way Jesus met people in the midst of their need and their pain. You know, it reminds me of this scripture that I'll end with today out of Acts 10.38. It says, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. The same Jesus that healed people in the Gospels, in the book of Acts, he's the same Jesus that we serve and follow today. How amazing that we have the opportunity to be a church that believes for Jesus to bring healing to people in their time of need.